Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the podcast, welcome. This podcast is free and available on all major recording platforms with podcasts coming out four to five days a week. Uh, this podcast is going to be mainly focused, or uh, focus, excuse me, on the re- weekend recap. I will be getting a UW and Wazoo uh, recap of everything that happened uh, this weekend in upcoming shows. But for the time being, uh, this is going to be the current setup. I do have a new mic. I do have brand new equipment for you guys here. Unfortunately, I realized that my interface was not strong enough to power my new mic, so I'm going to have to run my old setup for 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 the time being. So just have patience with me. It'll be here sooner than later. We have Around the World. It's going to be a little shorter today. I have a long, lengthy NFL recap for you guys going over the main highlights and the big games and upsets over the weekend. Uh, I got a lot of Mariners conversation today. I got a lot of Seahawks conversation today. Wazoo and UW recap from last weekend will be going up tomorrow. Uh, but just want to give you guys an update on that as well. If you haven't already, please subscribe. I know I ask this all the time, but it helps me out a ton. It just really does. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening, subscribing, all that stuff. Thank you very, very much. And with that being said, let's hop straight into it, shall we? Around the world today is going to start out with an NFL trade, the first one of the season for, I mean, I guess for, I guess somewhat made major names. Panthers traded for wide receiver Robbie Anderson from the Carolina Panthers for uh, to Arizona for a sixth-round draft pick in 2024 and a seventh-round pick in 2025. The corresponding reason for the trade, A, uh, Robbie Anderson was clearly disgruntled. The videos popped up yesterday of him getting in an altercation with head coach Steve Wilkes, or the excuse me, the interim head coach Steve Wilkes as he replaced Matt Rule in Carolina. Carolina is a dumpster fire, unfortunately, right now. They have a bunch of problems all over the place, and... Uh, it's just a matter of who's going to go. A lot of reports are about Christian McCaffrey right now, but I don't have any updated information on that. There's a whole list of teams calling about him, but as they should, because he's one of the best running backs in football when he's able to stay healthy. The reason why Arizona traded for Robbie Anderson this morning was because tests on Marquise Brown came back pretty bad. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like he's going to be out for a season-ending injury with a foot injury. It might be Liz Frank. I am not positive on that. I will get more injury or more information probably tomorrow as we get details today. University of North Carolina is number one in preseason college basketball top 25 AP rankings. Uh, I'm not huge on the rankings myself. I do understand the importance of them, obviously. I am a huge UNC Tar Heels fan, have been since I was a kid. Back to the days of Tyler Hansbro and all the and all the you know they had such a great line of players that they uh, through that program. So weather, I gotta talk about uh, weather update. That's how it came out the last about hour hour and a half. If you guys do not know, there is bad bad weather in New York right now. Uh, heavy rains and thunderstorms are in the forecast for New York City. So it's going to be threatening the possibility of the ALDS Game 5 tonight. That's highly anticipated between the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees. Um, If it does uh, be moved, it will be moved to tomorrow. And it sounds like if it's moved to tomorrow, they will possibly move it up earlier. Depends upon how the weather and everything looks. But obviously, if they can put the game into primetime, that would be ideal for everybody included. Uh, Texans fired VP of Football Operations Jack Easterby this morning. Uh, after just three seasons, the Texans have just unable to be able to stockpile much of any consistent talent on either offensive, defensive side of the ball. Quarterback Davis Mills really hasn't been able to get a free, you know, or not say a free, but a fair shot at this opportunity. 
Um, he has a couple good, you know, hit Nico Collins isn't a bad player. Uh, Damian Pierce, I believe his name is. A lot of fantasy owners are rejoicing over him so far this season. So he's been a positive note as of lately, but unfortunately, uh, just a little too, a little too late and a little too uh, less of talent there in Texas for the Texans, especially with how good the football has been in the college football scene, the Dallas Cowboys, and everything else included. Be curious to see who ends up who ends up taking that job. The Texans were, were good back in the day, but that was the days of, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. And, you know, that's a different conversation for a different day. And uh, latest AP rankings in college football have came out. Georgia number one and Tennessee at number three. Uh, not surprised to see Tennessee at three after they upset Alabama and that crazy game on Saturday. Like I said, I will be doing a dive and a recap of the weekend for UW and Wazoo as there was records set by Michael Penix Jr. this weekend, but I have plenty to get into today as far as NFL recaps and everything else. And speaking of NFL recaps, let's hop straight into the recap, shall we? First off, the Eagles. Got to start with, with the Eagles. Staying undefeated with a 26-17 win over Dallas. Jalen Hurts leads the way. Uh, fairly decent game, nothing overly flashy, just kind of did as Jalen Hurts has been doing all season, but the Philadelphia defense has been absolutely outstanding, led by big play Darius Slay. Bills defeat the Chiefs in one of the most highly anticipated matchups of the season, 24-20. Josh Allen absolutely went berserk in this game, 329 yards in the air, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Stephon Diggs, 10 receptions, 148 yards and a touchdown. Fantasy owners rejoice as Stefan Diggs continues to have a monster season. Patriots beat down the Cleveland Browns this weekend, 38-15. This zappy kid out of Western Michigan continues to raise a lot of eyebrows. 309 yards through the air, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Some people are wondering if there's going to be a quarterback controversy in New England between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Um, I'm assuming I'm assuming his last, his last name right. If I'm saying it wrong, someone please correct me. Let me know on any of my social media accounts. But uh, this is going to be interesting to see what happens. The Patriots have been playing really good football. 309 yards is not something to bat an eye at. Cleveland's got a lot of talent on defense, but unfortunately they're not playing up to their level of talent. And it's being clearly shown as they continue to struggle throughout the season, waiting for Deshaun Watson to get off of his suspension. Vikings beat the Dolphins 24-16. They continue to have a good start to, to, to the season. Dalvin Cook had over 70 yards rushing in the game. And Kirk Cousins was just doing Kirk Cousins-like stuff. Steelers defeat the Bucks 20-18. Brady and company are beginning to show some of that frustration uh, that's been starting to leak out from within the, the locker room. Head coach Todd Bowles said, quote, Super Bowl fantasy dreams need to be flushed down so we can return back to reality. Not exactly the thing I was anticipating for from Todd Bowles, especially for the fact that Tom Brady's a quarterback for the for, for the Bucks. They have plenty of talent, obviously. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette. Uh, the defense led by, you know, Devin White. Uh, they have ten, tons, uh, tons and tons of talent on that team. But until they get the offensive line figured out, as we saw the viral video of Tom Brady shredding his offensive line, uh, things are going to get worse before before they get better, before they get the offensive line figured out. I know that they lost Twist, uh, Tristan Wirfs in the offseason, and uh, he was obviously an outstanding tackle for them. So be curious to see how they're able to bounce back going into next week. And then I got to get some serious love to the New York Jets for beating the Green Bay Packers in dominant fashion, 27-10. to They were led by Brees Hall again, who, as I've been talking about throughout this show today, Fantasy owners are just loving Brees Hall right now. 
and for obvious good reasons, 20 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown for Brees Hall. He has been everything and more advertised that he's been brought to New York. Robert Sala coming from the San Francisco system, relying heavily upon that 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 ground game. The obviously they're having good line play right now. They're they're creating holes. It's a good scheme. Defense is playing well. Aaron Rodgers is playing like absolute trash. And I mean, I'm glad he's not my fantasy quarterback at all because if he was, I'd probably be cutting Aaron Rodgers because they have no wide receivers. Because I mean, Alan Lazard had a pretty good day yesterday, but they continue to struggle mightily this so far this season. And then speaking of teams who are continuing to just I just shock the world, New York football giants. The G-Men, as Chris Berman would say. The Giants defeat the Ravens 24-20. Huge props to head coach Brian Dabble for turning this team around. And they have a record of 5-1, ladies and gentlemen. The New York football Giants have a 5-1 record. That's incredible. I am just, I am so happy for that franchise, for the organization. Their first-round draft pick, Kayvon Thibodeau, was a monster recording his first sack and forced fumble, which essentially sealed the victory for the Giants this week. Props to them. And uh, the Falcons defeating the 49ers 28-14. Jimmy G stunk, just stink it. Just terrible. Stunk it up, stink it all over the place, or however you want to call it, right? Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Marcus Mariota, 13-14. Ground game, two guys carried the ball 14 times for over 60 yards. Nothing flashy, but they played solid football. And the San Francisco 49ers have now opened the, the door, as well as the Rams this week. For the Seahawks to have a three-way tie for first place, obviously tiebreakers are going to be included with that. But uh, we'll get more into that as the week gets on. That's just a overall quick recap of the main games that already happened. And obviously, we have Monday Night Football tonight. Justin Herbert and the LA Chargers versus Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. This game is a huge, massive test for both teams. Either Denver bounces back to 500 with 3 and 3 with a win tonight or they go down to 2 and 4 on the season. This is like that point that marker in the season where you kind of realize and draw the line in the sand is this team going to be able to do what they came what the hype was all about with this team during the offseason. Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Javonte Williams, uh, Albert, I can't say his last name for the, for, for the life of me, Okabugum or something. I know it's way wrong, but it was a funny attempt. Anyways, this is going to be a big game. Chargers looking to go four and two. Denver's trying to get back to 500. If Denver loses this game, I can almost write it in stone right now that Nathaniel Hackett is going to get the proverbial Hackett or the hatchet. Excuse me. That was a terrible pun and a bad joke. I try to sneak a dad joke in for you guys. But if Denver loses this game, it's all but guaranteed that Hackett's going to get kicked out the door. He's going to be the proverbial scapegoat for Russell Wilson. It's a lot easier to move on from a head coach, a first-year head coach, to move on from a quarterback you just gave $240 million to. Um, my, my predictions for this game, I'm picking the Chargers to win this game. I think the Chargers will win by probably over 10 points. Justin Herbert has played really well against Denver in his career. He does good in inter-conference uh, rivalry games. So look for a strong bounce back from Herbert, who has been dealing with that torn and broken rib cartilage for a couple of weeks. Sounds like he's doing better this week than he was last week. He has been struggling uh, pretty mightily the last couple of weeks. Has been He's been trying to push through this, this injury. He's been getting pain-killing injections to try and deal with it. He is one tough SLB. And then obviously the last thing, can Austin Eckler help Justin Herbert 
push these Chargers to a 4-2 and record, which should keep them right on pace with the Kansas City Chiefs after, after the Chiefs lost to the Bills on Sunday. Uh, and then with that being said, we're going to do today's sponsored ad break. Uh, once again, if you guys, I apologize for the, for, for, for the late show and everything today. I've been trying to get these technological issues taken care of, but unfortunately, it's been a bit of a learning curve today. But that's one of the reasons why I love this, love this podcast is just learning all this technology and how it all works. So thank you guys for your patience. And I apologize for, for, for taking a couple days off. I had a weekend trip with my family over in Winthrop on the east side of the mountains. For those who live in Washington State. That's over in Okanagan County. And now it's time for our sponsored ad break. Do you enjoy quality, clean energy? Do you crash hard after the midday coffee? Check out Dubby Energy. Dubby Energy is a keto-friendly energy option for those who need a little pick-me-up through the long workday. No midday crashes or jitters. Dubby Energy provides a boost of tasty, crash, jitter-free energy to help you conquer your busy day. Free of, art, free of artificial colors and dyes, and it's even sure sugar-free. Use code capitals WSS to get 10% off your order today. Again, use code WSS in caps to get 10% off your order today. That is D-U-B-B-Y-Energy.com. And then we have the Seattle Mariners. Oh boy, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a little bit of a, of a tough one. Uh, I'm just prefacing right now. I'm gonna do my best to try and keep my emotion out of it. I think I do a pretty good job of doing that for you guys here. But uh, let's just do a quick recap of the crazy 18 inning game. Just kind of go over the highlights, what we need to be looking at, and then we're gonna just keep uh, going into the next part of the Mariners segment for today. And one of the most tense edge-of-your-seat games in MLB history, the 18-inning game that ultimately came down to Jeremy Pena home run, was the deciding factor. The fact that the Mariners played a game that had never been done in Major League Baseball history is a moment that we can all remember and cherish for the rest of our lives. I don't know if some people are going to say, they still lost. They did. I'm not going to take it away. They lost the game. Facts are facts, right? But the fact that they battled as hard as they did just goes to show you the heart and integrity of this team and the backbone that they do possess and have. But quite frankly, they just ran out of gas, everybody. I mean, for those who watched the game, it was pretty easy to see that they just ran out of gas. They're just a little too, you know, they didn't have the leftover gas in the tank to keep fighting with this team. You know, you I saw Jose Altuve looking absolutely just... MIA. He looked gone. He looked misplaced. He didn't look. He was. He was checked out. But the thing that bugged me the most about the end of Saturday of the of the last game, excuse me, is the fact that they lost their control the zone mantra. This is what makes this team difficult to play against. They get walks. They hit the long ball. They extend counts. They drive up the overall pitch count. They make the the the, the pitchers work harder. Right. This is a big part of what makes the Seattle Mariners a difficult team. But the fact that the pitching on both sides was just so ridiculously good and, and constant is a part of what makes this game so much fun to cover and talk about because so rare you see both bullpens just excelling to the rate that, that they did. And I got to give props. And some people are gonna, not going to want to listen to that. You know, why are you complimenting Houston? Houston was the better team in this series, right? They were able to come up with the clutch moments. They were able to define the winning, the winning times and the winning sequence to get this critical 
times in the critical wins in this series. And it's unfortunate. It all snowballed after game one. Some people will agree. Some people will disagree. That's what makes these podcasts fun. Uh, makes the conversation continue. But Luis Garcia was filthy for Houston. Flat out. He provided a huge amount of length going over 60 pitches in that late innings of, of that game. Really key, kept Houston in the ball game. And I know obviously other pitchers like Brian, uh, Brian Abreu and stuff like that. They have a depth, deep, deep bullpen. And it's uh, I got I got to give respect. I have to give a shout out for how good that they played. Jordan is a monster. I'm sick of the your daddy conversation. Um, a quick thing I want to touch on here before I go into the shout outs and everything for this game. I am incredibly disappointed with the organization of the Houston Astros for posting the signs that they did and trolling the Seattle Mariners with all of our signs and everything. You know, some people, a lot of people have asked me, reach out to me since the game is over and done with and what I've been thinking and like how I'm, you know, responding and what am I looking at, you know. My main thing I'm taking away right now is that the Mariners are the team that nobody wants to play, right? And the reason why I say that is because, like I taught, like, like I touched on earlier, when you control the zone, when you make guys work more, when you make things happen, that's what makes the good teams good. And that's what makes the great teams great. And I'm not saying the Mariners are a great team. They're not. They're a really good team. We beat a really good Toronto team with Bo Bichette, who was the player of the month, hit 400. Vladdy is Vladdy. Regardless of what he, he hits the ball, he's still Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They have a ton of talent. All Alejandro Kirk, right? You, you look at Houston, Jeremy Pena, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Justin Verlander, right? The whole list goes on. I'm not going to list every player, but those are like the main ones, right? The fact that the Mar- that the Houston Astros organization trolled the Mariners to me speaks one specific thing. The Houston Astros have been the bully of the AL West for years, right? And the fact that the bully realizes that they can't bully another team anymore, such as a, such as the Seattle Mariners, that's why they're making these 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 comments. They are getting older, ladies and gentlemen. They're not getting younger. Altuve Ken is not getting younger. Alt Bregman's not getting younger. Alvarez, I think I, I excuse me, I did not look up his age. I believe he's late twenties, um, which is he's like one of the younger ones besides for obviously Jeremy Pena. But the Astros are aging. Verlander is not getting younger. He's gonna be forty-two years old. You know they have plenty of depth and talent, but the fact that the Mariners had this opportunity and this series to grow upon is the most important part. But. Houston, this is going to sound a little hypocritical. Can you have a little class, please? Can you look at the Mariners and say, not just like sweep us to the side with our believe signs and embrace the chaos signs? You just, as a good organization, right? I shouldn't say they're going to say they're not a good organization. They they cheated. They did. I'm not going to say that. But they build a damn good team. And you have to just give props to the, to the team for how good they are. We can all, you can call them Voldemort, you know, from Harry Potter. You can call them he, he who shall not be named, whatever it is. But overall, at the bottom of the day, it's quite simple. The fact that the Seattle Mariners went toe-to-toe with the Houston Astros is a thing we should all be grateful and take away and realize that if we had an actual Cincinnati Jesse Winker, if Ty France could actually hit the, the baseball, if Mitch Hanniger had any semblance of power, this series is completely different. And there's a lot of players. Adam Frazier stepped up. Julio obviously stepped up. Gino was, was pretty good. Um, you know, there are players. There's there, there's going to be additions, obviously, in the offseason. I'm going to get out here in a minute. 
But I just got to say, huge love and shout out specifically for me, for Paul Seawald for going two innings in that game, keeping us in that ball game. He never goes two innings. He never throws 40 plus pitches. But obviously when you're in the playoffs and it's win or go home, you have to fire every bullet and empty every canister possible. And I'm proud of this team. Unfortunately, that the Magic Carpet ride is over. This was a great learning experience for all of our young players on this team. These moments, this series is why you want to be in the postseason. This is why you work 162 games to get here, is to have these opportunities to grow these young players so we can officially get into the ALCS for the first time in over two decades and bring a championship, a world national championship to T-Mobile Park and to the city of Seattle. Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick, Ty France, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Cal Raleigh, all these young kids have grown leaps and bounds in this postseason run. And this is what it's all about is growing these kids. Houston was the exact same way. Um, Toronto was the exact same way. The Braves were the exact same way. The Dodgers, all these teams get young players and they need postseason seasoning. It's like, you know, it's like cast iron. You buy a cast iron, you have to season it before you use it, right? It's the exact same thing. These young players need opportunities to learn and grow. And that's what baseball and the beauty of it is all about. Now Houston awaits either New York or Cleveland. Obviously, I touched on that a little bit a little bit ago, but uh, we're waiting on a weather report. I do not have an updated one quite yet. I will have one, obviously, tomorrow if the game does not happen today. But I'll be curious to see what happens. Um, obviously, Houston versus New York probably be a little bit more even than Houston versus Cleveland. But Josh Naylor and Jose Ramirez, uh, Shane Bieber, and then that squad is going to be a formidable matchup if they're able to get through to the next round. And a quick offseason uh, look at for, for, for the Mariners. And then we're going to hop into Seattle uh, Seahawks recap of yesterday's win over the Arizona Cardinals. But I want to touch on a couple things to address for the offseason real quick. The offseason now begins for Jerry and Justin. Plenty of work has to be done. We still have issues scoring runs. The exact same issue we had in the previous seasons. The lack of offensive firepower between J.P. Crawford and Adam Frazier will be needed to be addressed in the offseason. Granted, J. J. P. Crawford did receive a contract extension this season. We cannot afford to stick with a subpar hitting shortstop, especially with the loaded free agents, uh, free agent shortstop class coming with Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, and Carlos Correa. Will headline that major class. All three will would would provide a massive boost to the offensive issues that has plagued the Mariners for now two consecutive seasons. They went out and got Adam Frazier with the hope he would rebound back to his Pittsburgh days. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Uh, J.P. Crawford had a down year in defensive metrics. He had a down year in offense. A lot of people are going to say, "Well, you can't move on from from J.P. Crawford. You just gave him extension." I think you move J.P. Crawford to second base. His range and everything will play well and transition well to that overall position. Uh, you got you you must absolute must throw every penny you fe you feasibly can. I am calling out John Stanton himself, one man. If you if you want and you love this team as much as you tell everybody that you do, the opportunity is now to load this lineup and not have a hole where you look at six through nine and say whatever happens happens right or excuse me seven through nine right no more jp crawford adam frazier and you know dylan moore you know let's get a trey turner let's get maybe even Alexander bogarts that's another name i forgot to, 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 to toss in here right um there are so many 
I hate. I mean, this is gonna suck. I'm just hating on J on JP Crawford, and I swear I'm not. This is just a realist look at, at this situation. The Mariners need more offense to be a viable, consistent playoff contending team. In order for that to happen, you must address the infield, and you need to get better. Ty France, figure it out, man. You were awful the second half of the season playoffs. You were not great. God bless you, Gino Suarez. Um, you were fantastic. You play, you were better than I could have even imagined. Jesse Winker, you need to cut about 20 pounds and lean up. I'm not body shaming. It's the fact that Jesse Winker was looking pretty heavy, a little pudgy at the end of the season. And if Jesse Winker can get back to Cincinnati Winker days, it would be a massive addition to our outfield or to our outfield, excuse me, in DH. Obviously, the conversation to Mitch Haniger is going to be a controversy by itself. Uh, he wants to be back here. The team doesn't exactly have an outfielder waiting in the wings. Jared Kelnick might be the one to take right field, but I don't think Jared Kelnick's ready to take that mount or that mantle quite yet for Mitch. And if Mitch can get back and be healthy, which is literally a flip of a coin, heads or tails, it'd be curious to see what Jerry and Scott do, or excuse me, uh, Justin and Jerry do in the offseason to address these offensive issues. And now we have the Seattle Seahawks. Start off for those who didn't who didn't watch. Uh, they beat the Cardinals 19 to nine. Defense did not allow a single touchdown, which was fantastic to see. Gino was okay, wasn't great though. 197 yards through the air, no touchdowns, no picks. He did rush six times for 48 yards, which is good to see. Ken Walker though had a really good day, positive day for Ken Walker. First career NFL start in replace of Rashad Penny. 21 rushes, 97 yards, one touchdown with a long of 34 yards for uh, for Ken Walker. We saw nearly the whole skill set of Ken Walker showing lots of patience, waiting for his blocks to, to, to work before he hit the hole. Very shifty and powerful and elusive. This is why Seattle drafted him in the second round right after Brees Hall was drafted by the, by the New York Jets. Tariq Wolin, ladies and gentlemen, obviously is the truth. He is the best rookie corner in football. Uh, he's better than, than Sauce Gardner. He's better than um, Derek Stingley, all those guys. Four consecutive games with the interception. It's the seventh time in, in franchise history that a defensive back has recorded an INT in four straight games. And he also recovered the fumble, which was created by Kobe Bryant. And speaking of Kobe Bryant, he leads the NFL in forced fumbles for DBs with four on the season. Cannot say enough about this draft class for Pete and John. Best since Russell and Bobby without question. Some people say it's better. Uh, getting a franchise quarterback and a hall or two Hall of Fame players is uh, pretty tough to beat. But the depth of this class is absolutely incredible. And I got to give a lot of love for them for that. Quentin Jefferson had a stellar game. Defensive line really stepped it up this week. Shelby Harris said it best. We took this game personally. We are tired of hearing the conversation about us. Time to go fix it. There are some other expletives in there. I'm not going to have that in here for you guys today. But it was glad to see it. I'm really stoked to see that this uh, that this uh, defensive line, the pass rush, was much better this game. Uh, they did have, uh, they lost their starting guard, Justin Pugh, for a season-ending injury for, for the Cardinals. And they were able to capitalize and take advantage. Nice to see D. Eskridge get involved in the passing game, hauling in three receptions. Noah Fant led all receivers with six receptions for 45 yards. A little bit of a bummer. DK was targeted seven times in the game, but was only able to haul in two total catches. Offense in this game, besides for Ken Walker, was a bit stagnant. Struggled in the red zone, something that Geno has quite frankly done really well throughout the season. And I'm looking for a bounce back game next week versus the LA Chargers. And we're going to walk it off for the day. 
Now that the Mariner season is over, the main focus shifts to Gino and the Hawks, as, long, as well as Shane Wright, Matty Beneers, and Oliver Bjorkstrand of the Kraken. The Hawks find themselves tied for first place in the NFC West, which is 100% up for grabs this season. The Hawks will travel down to SoFi Stadium to face off against the LA Chargers this upcoming week. Expect, expect plenty of points and offense, and a huge thank you. A huge thank you is owed to our Seattle Mariners for a great season. Even though it ended before we all wanted it to, we have plenty to, to, to be proud of. I just want to say thank you to all the fans, everybody for packing the, the, the stadium, bringing the energy uh, the Chaos Factory, as I'm not calling it, was fantastic, and I'm just very proud and thankful for a great season. Julio, the whole squad, everybody incorporated, thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for a great season and for a memorable, memorable time. Thank you to everybody for listening to today's podcast. Again, this podcast is free and available on all pla- on all pla- uh, excuse me podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Index, much, much more. See us rise. Go Hawks. And uh, I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Peace.